Today on Ag News Daily. Starting off from the beginning of school, it was a bit of a struggle. I came right off the state fair. I had one day and the classes started. So did I get lost on the bus? Yes. Did I uh, know my way around campus? Not really. Listeners, September 8th, the eve of the Cyhawk game up here in Iowa. For all those that are fans of the podcast here in the state, I just want to say go clones. Uh, but for those of you outside of the state, probably just another rivalry game that doesn't even make prime TV time, Delaney. Oh, that's sad, Tanner. <laughs> What's sad? I don't know. I think everybody should watch the Iowa-Iowa State game. But I suppose if you're not from the state of Iowa or have connections to the state of Iowa, you probably don't really care. It's very, very true. Uh, it is certainly the Super Bowl of Iowa, so we'll make sure that uh, we give you who don't pay attention the update on Monday when we learn the outcome of that game. We also have some weather updates for you. Storm, storms are expected to move across southeastern Kansas and southwestern Missouri today. National Weather Service says there is a chance for hail and gusty winds. Air quality alerts are still intact for over the Husker Harvest Day grounds in Nebraska. They are now in the yellow category for those who are usually sensitive uh, to air quality issues are advised to shorten their outdoor activities but what is stealing the weather news right now is hurricane lee nearly doubled its wind speed delaney overnight this continued to strengthen at an exceptional rate thursday into friday jumping multiple storm categories in hours it strengthened to a category five storm just before 11 p.m eastern time Big picture, this is a powerful hurricane that is forecasted to move north of the Leeward Islands and Puerto Rico, but may slow down east-northeast of the Bahamas this weekend. This is the first time that a hurricane has reached Category 5 intensity when it is still just a Category 2 storm. Computer models are calling for the storm to intensify into one of the strongest, if not the strongest hurricane yet observed in the Atlantic Ocean. Lee started with 80 mile per hour winds Thursday. 12, hour later, it, 12 hours later, it was up to 130 mile per hour winds. So we'll continue to keep an eye on the powerful storm out in the Atlantic Ocean, but Hopefully it doesn't make landfall. That's the biggest thing we're looking at right now is the models are not predicting very uh, narrow consensus, Delaney, on where that storm is headed. Well, Tanner, as we look at some other weather-related news, I thought this was interesting to note, but here in the state of Iowa, 91% of the state is now in some sort of drought condition. As we saw conditions here in the state of Iowa worsen last week, Amid a continuing lack of rainfall, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor report that was released on Thursday. This certainly has been the trend in other states as well, Tanner. As we look at Minnesota, shows that their drought also widened and reports worsening conditions. Part of southern Wisconsin now experiencing exceptional drought. Of course, those states in the southern plains are also continuing to see worsening drought as well. But all in all, Tanner, this is calling into question what we'll see on the next USDA's WASDE report, and will they 
change yield once again to reflect some of these worsening drought and crop conditions that we've seen across many of the states. The other big question I have to ask Tanner is, you know, we're seeing worsening droughts in so many of these states. However, when we look at the USDA's weekly crop conditions report, it's not necessarily reflective of what's actually maybe going on out in the countryside. Yeah, that uh, is, yeah. it's so tough to tell. You get back backyard-itis and forget to think about what's happening in other regions of the U.S., uh, but we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Federal Appeals Court has asked to review a September 22 ruling that kept USDA bioengineered food labeling largely in place. The Center for Food Safety and other groups filed their appeal with the U.S. District Court. The USDA standard requires food manufacturers, retailers, and importers to disclose whether ingredients of the food are bioengineered. The appeal asked the Ninth Circuit to reverse the district court that required ruling that required the USDA to make changes to that rule. The group urged the district court that they made errors in issuing that ruling. Among those stated that the U.S. conclusion of the term bioengineered served as a scope reference in the terms of GE and genetically modified organism for GMO on food labels. Rather, Congress is now looking to get bioengineered foods defined even more. So a lot going on there in that discussion. It won't take place now until November for when this will get reviewed. But I want to hit ethanol real quick for we'll move on to your next story. Delaney, ethanol output and stockpiles both rose. The production for last week was 1.012 million barrels. That's up from 1.007. The inventories through September 1 were up to 21.6 million, just slightly above the 21.609 million the week before. So those are some quick headlines for you there. Well, Dana, this is an exciting update for growers looking for a new crop to grow in 2024. It's not new maybe to some of our listeners, but it's one that I've just recently come across here within the last year or so. And it's a crop grown mostly in the Western United States. It's the crop of camelina, which is a type of mustard seed that's actually native in countries and regions from Finland to Romania and east to the Ural Mountains in Russia. So this seed does well in cooler, drier climates, such as those we see in the western portion of the United States. But Syngenta Seeds has just announced they've entered into an agreement with Sustainable Oils, Inc. to provide farmers in parts of Kansas, Colorado and western states the opportunity to grow camelina, the oil-based crop, starting in 2024. Tanner, as far as uses of this seed goes, it's a use for a variety of different things, including feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel. It can be used in renewable diesel and animal feed production as well. It's noted for its high level of omega-3 fatty acids. And so it's a really good key feedstock ingredient that a lot of growers in the Western United States probably have been using for quite some time. Yeah, I had heard a little bit about that from the Chevron representative out at Farm Progress Show, and then again from uh, Mike Newland with the Propane Council. Interesting new product for us to take a look at there. Tyson Foods is trying something new. They plan to deploy driverless trucks in Arkansas. They are teaming up with Gatlick AI Incorporated for a multi-year collaboration to uh, deploy self-driving refrigerated box trucks for routes in Northwest Arkansas. 
These trucks can operate 18 hours a day. They will deliver Tyson's, Jimmy Dean, and Ballpark products, among others, to the company's distribution and storage facilities in the Rogers and Springdale, Arkansas areas. The deployment will introduce Scatlick trucks equipped with commercial-grade autonomous technology into the supply chain for Tyson. This is a predetermined short-haul route that is repeated. Most of these routes support fast and efficient product flow from the plant to storage facility. So this is a very monotonous task. Beginning this week, the collaboration includes multiple trucks with the potential for the expansion at other Tyson locations in the future. A safety driver will initially be present in the cab to monitor the system but ultimately they plan for them to become fully autonomous. These trucks will have 26 foot temperature control boxes built onto the transport platforms. The frozen goods will quickly and safely be monitored with multiple sensors. The partnership is expected to provide the company with increased asset utilization within their short haul logistics network. So as the spokespeople say for Tyson's, they're innovating and using automation throughout other parts of their business. So they're excited to start including it on the transportation arm. Let's enter in some trade news here. China has asked for fertilizer producers to suspend urea shipments. They asked for a suspension in urea exports after domestic prices jumped, according to a recent Bloomberg report. Some major Chinese fertilizer makers reportedly halted signing new export deals earlier this month following the government mandate, according to people familiar with the matter. And the restrictions only currently apply to urea at this port. However, Tanner, why this matters to our listeners is China is the world's top producer of urea. And any significant decline in exports, such as what China may be doing here with the suspension of exports for the foreseeable future, really could threaten to tighten supplies and push up global prices once again. So as we think about the fertilizer shift in prices we've seen here lately, we've really seen prices come back down substantially since the highs that they saw a few years ago. However, this latest piece of news isn't saying prices are going to jump back up, but definitely something to keep an eye on, Tanner. Yes, it is. Last headlines that I've got for today is a report from the Kansas City Federal Reserve on Thursday said ag loan balances increased by 5% in the spring quarter as farmers and ranchers took out their ag production loans. However, finances are still remaining strong despite moderate ag economy indicators. Ag credit conditions will likely remain strong through the end of this year through their predictions, although they're expecting farm income and loan repayment rates to soften in 2024. Right now, this is the healthiest the ag finance community has been since 2010. Also wanted to hit some Russia-Ukraine headlines here. Cuba has arrested 17 individuals in connection to the trafficking of Cubans to fight for Russia. A missile attack Friday in the central Ukrainian city of Krivri killed one person and injured 54 others. Three people were also reportedly killed in strikes in the southern region of Kyrgyzstan. Ukrainian women who have medical education are now registered and require, required to register for military service, and they will be prevented from leaving the country in case they are called up to help with any type of medical services needed. Ukraine also made some incremental gains in the south amid fierce fighting as front lines continue to be pushed in key battlegrounds, a part of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. That's what I've got for headlines today, Delaney. 
Tanner, I think the only thing I have left to chat about for today is the markets. What do you say we take a quick look here at where the opening session is taking us? Let's go for it. Well, markets have just opened here as of recording this this morning, and markets are trading mixed on the board. December new crop corn up just a half a cent at 486 and three quarters. New crop beans down five cents at 1354 and a half. In the wheat complex, the Chicago December contract is unchanged at 599 and a half. Hard red December winter wheat down three quarters of a cent at 736 and a half. And December spring wheat down a penny and a half at 773 and a quarter. In the livestock markets today, Tanner, we are seeing mostly weakness here as the October live cattle contract down a nickel at a buck 83.60. October feeder cattle are up two and a half cents at 258.97. And October lean hogs shedding 52 and a half cents at 82.30. Tanner, I know Jennifer was the one that sourced today's interview, but it sounds like you also have a personal connection to today's uh, person of interest for the podcast. Yeah, I had just seen her last week and had talked about getting her on. So Jennifer must have been reading my mind. But yes, a family member of my wife's young individual who is taking ag leadership by storm. So we'll be excited to see her future. Let's get into that conversation. Well, listeners, for our Friday episode today, we have Josie Kelly joining us. Josie is currently serving as the Iowa FFA North Central State Vice President. And Josie, let's dive right in. Before we get anywhere, let's talk about what FFA is for listeners who may not know. So FFA is the largest student organization or CTO organization in the nation. It's a leadership and agricultural based organization. So our members really, really gain a lot of knowledge about the agricultural industry, as well as how to better themselves as leaders and what they can do in preparing them, giving them the tools to be the future leaders. So. That sounds like an amazing organization. And in fact, I'm not even going to pretend I know it is because I was in it for Oh, five, six years. This would be my last year in FFA, I believe, um, which is really sad. But it's an organization that has grown me into who I am and actually helped me get to be here talking to you all listeners on the podcast today. So, Josie, let's talk about how FFA has shaped you into who you are. Uh, if you could believe it, when I was a freshman in high school, I was pretty quiet Um but if anybody knows Mr. Cooper, my advisor, he knows that he can get the quiet ones out and really push them out of their comfort zone um, and into this this zone of learning. So uh, I when I when I began FFA, I never would have done anything like this. I never would have gotten involved in any of the activities I have been before. But now, uh, even with my future career, I'm going into agriculture. I am actively pursuing these leadership opportunities. So if it wasn't for FFA and the tools that it gave me, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that's amazing. And you are currently serving as a state officer, like we mentioned at the beginning. What was that process like? And also, can you talk about what exactly state officers are and what they do? In the state of Iowa, we have six districts. So I'm the North Central State Vice President. So in the middle and north of roughly um, Highway 30, 
is is my my section but to get into this position i went through an extensive interview process with the nominating committee of iowa ffa as well as gave a speech in front of my voting delegates for my district so i got got elected and then later on i have been going to trainings uh, from national ffa being equipped with the tools to be most successful throughout my year of service. But most recently, I just finished up with the Iowa State Fair. Uh, that was two weeks of the best days ever. The State Fair has always held a really close place in my heart, but it was really, really interesting and a lot of fun to be on the other side. So you may have seen me at the FFA booth up in the Agricultural Building. You may have heard me from different radio outlets across the fairgrounds. I worked at the Animal Learning Center. Uh, worked with the ushers, but it was a lot of just everything all the time that I, I really enjoyed from the state fair. Another experience I had was going to Washington, D.C. and lobbying with National FFA for different pieces of the farm bill, the pieces of legislation that would include the youth of agriculture. So uh, that was a really, really exciting experience. Uh, with me and my fellow teammates, we went out there for a week. We went to different conferences. Again, we lobbied on the Hill, and then we met with a ton of great, great speakers in the industry. Amazing. It sounds like you have been very busy this summer between D.C. and all of your other conferences in between and then finishing out the summer at the Iowa State Fair. And we're jumping into fall. You're a freshman here at Iowa State University. What has it been like jumping into school and not even school, college as a freshman and also balancing this big position? Um Starting off from the beginning of school, it was a bit of a struggle. I came right off the state fair. I had one day and the classes started. So did I get lost on the bus? Yes. Did I uh, know my way around campus? Not really, but I made it to all my classes on time. That was that was great. But now I've reached the point that I'm I'm really learning a lot about myself on how I need to study, how I need to organize all my work so everything gets done on time. State office is a is a lot of work if you aren't um, properly using organization skills uh, because we're humans we forget things but it's it's been a lot it's but it's been a good learning experience about myself and looking towards the future I know that there is a lot happening here soon National FFA is happening the National State Officer Summit will be occurring over the winter season. Let's talk about those a little bit. What are those going to look like for you this year? I, I'll be hopping on a plane here September 20th and going to a conference for Speak Ag Pioneer. Uh, that's a opportunity that a couple state officers across the nation have, mostly social media based, mostly education and ag literacy based. Uh, and then later on, we have ILSSO, um, which is in a study abroad program to Australia this year. So uh, you learn more about uh, not only global agriculture, but you'll be with 74 other state officers. So learning about agriculture across the nation, uh, just being surrounded by those individuals. Then obviously we're backtracking just a little bit, but we'll have national convention coming up. Always a fun time listening to our keynote speakers, getting to see people from all across the country, uh, making those connections, making those those memories that I know you can definitely look back on from your national convention experiences. 
Yeah, you're going to be busy, busy bee, that's for sure. And just going back to talking about FFA as a whole, why would you say that listeners, most of our listeners are in the workforce now and out in the world supporting young adults and upcoming adults like ourselves, um, why would you say that companies within the agriculture industry should support the FFA Association and organization? Well, just for one minute, I'd like everyone to think about if you were an FFA member, just think back on those memories that you made uh, and those connections and those leadership skills that you developed through FFA. And then now think about how that's applicable to your job and how FFA has given you the tools to be successful in your career. And I I believe that any company can attest to this, that they have at least one FFA member. And it's it's easy to see that FFA really gives students uh, and adults the necessary tools and experiences to be successful, whether that be doing different contests that prepare you for your career specific area or doing other contests such as parliamentary procedure conduct of meetings that really expose you to these concepts that you otherwise wouldn't have have been exposed to throughout your middle school or high school career. So I think it's important that industry professionals recognize what FFA is doing and how we're really affecting our members. And keep that in mind anytime you, you hire a new individual because there's a good chance they were in an FFA, but there's also a really good chance that they had they, they can take some of those opportunities and experiences and implement them into their uh, everyday career lives. And just to kind of wrap things up, we've talked a lot about FFA, about what it is, why companies should be in support of it, and from the state officer aspect of what you've been doing this year. Are there any lasting words that you think listeners should keep in mind when it comes to FFA and just everything in general and how the agriculture industry is impacted by this organization? I think it's important that each and every FFA member is feeling supported by their community. So whether that be going and supporting them at the local plant sale or helping judge at, at sub-district or district levels, just just giving a helping hand whenever it may be needed, uh, because it's definitely important for our youth to feel supported within their communities. Incredible. Well, thank you for joining us today, Josie. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there you go, Delaney. Well-spoken as we had expected. It's good to see young leaders like that, Tanner, developing, isn't it? Absolutely. Listeners, we will be back again next week. I get to travel out to Husker Harvest Day, even though we know Iowa corn is better than Nebraska corn, and we know <laughs> the Cyclones are better than the Hawkeyes. As uh, you now know exactly where I stand as a co-host, but I'll try and grab some good content out there for you as well. Fantastic. Well, Tanner, with that, should we let the listeners go? Well, let's let them go. 